Welcome to episode one of Killing the Great White Male, a podcast where we examine privilege and practice ending it. My co-conspirator for episode one is Sonia Powell, a friend of mine from grad school who helped me discover how privilege was an active part of cutting me off from parts of myself and cutting me off from others. In editing the original recording, I realized how incredibly chill we were as we dealt with some of the stuff, some of which is around trauma. Please be kind to yourself as you listen. Other episodes may have less triggery issues or may be more energetic. But first and foremost, I hope that you find this podcast to always be authentic. I'm releasing this on Father's Day, partially to honor all of the folks that have fathered me in ways that opened my heart and taught me that it was okay to feel, my dad especially. I'm also releasing it on Father's Day to challenge us to do more to embody a new masculinity, new ways for male-coded people who want to live a life full of love and the variety of human feelings the human experience has to offer. So let's get rolling. Hi. Hi, Sonia. This is Royce. How are you? I am well. Fantastical. I'm so excited to talk to you today about um, our topic, about our, our the book we read in common, The Will to Change, and what's up in the world and how we're interacting with it. Um, Sounds great. I want to thank you especially... Um, well, I guess actually I owe you several huge thank yous. Um, the This entire project that I now call Killing the Great White Male, um, exa- you know, examining privilege as a, as a white man and examining how the notion of white man is a complete lie and a construction that doesn't work for me and for most of us, um, and examining the way that privilege is a trap, I, I owe to you um, from our class queering liturgy um back in gosh was that 2008 maybe even seven seven yeah <laughs> one, one of those years yeah <laughs> one of those years um it it came out of a moment um in that class when we were discussing the gays um the notion that uh, in American cinema... G-A-Z-E. This is true. Thank you. <laughs> um, I have such fun with that phrase. So, um, but yes, uh, G-A-Z-E, uh, how American cinema tends to um, take up the eye of of the man and uh, through that lens then treats women as the object to be gazed upon. Um I guess that's, I mean, is that a good synopsis yeah. of that? Okay. Um, yeah, totally. If people want examples of this, the most recent just egregious example that I've seen is the Stellar Toys uh, commercial. Um, just Google, she is a thing of beauty, and look at the, the. Uh, it was a billboard campaign just a few years ago. Um, but it's a, okay. it's a perfect example of, of the gaze. So we were discussing this in class, and... I remember bringing up the notion that, um, oh my God, this makes me as a, as a man invisible. And, and I had trouble even bringing it up and you, you were so just receptive to it and, uh, were willing to actually engage it and talk about what it's like to be invisible as a, as a man. 
I said something along the lines of, you know, I, I've been told that, that my gaze, my looking at, at women, um, feels very, very like violating. And, uh, and that's mm-hmm. terrifying to me because I don't want to violate people. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you were like, well, I have to, you know, and so I, I mentioned that, you know, I, I tend to, when I make eye contact with somebody, I tend to look down. Um, I tend to look okay. away and you're like, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go look at this. <laughs> when we came back to class the next week, you had done this little social experiment trying to make <laughs> eye contact with men and, uh, and noticing reactions. Um, do you remember any of this? I, I really don't. <laughs> I don't remember, but, um, but it makes me want to do it again. <laughs> Well, it, I mean, from the impact it's had on me, um, giving me permission to examine my own privilege through the lens of it being a trap that, um, you know, aside from the Donald Trumps of the world who can say, you know, well, I, I grab women by the pussy all the time and they let me do it and then get elected president. And that's an illustration of absolute power. Um, most of us, uh, when we encounter these things, we... Uh, even as as white men with a lot of privilege and we have to acknowledge that privilege um constantly there is also there's there's a price that we've paid for it there's part of us that we left aside that we cut off that we cut out of ourselves at some point along our journey and uh and i think that's i mean that's what excites me about the book uh we've been reading together um the will to change by bell hooks um that it, it, it examines that and examines it generously. Um, yeah. And as we speak, um, th- the U S is on fire. Um, we are seeing, yeah. I, do you want to say a word about that? Um, just this outrageous outpouring of what feels very, um, patriarchally masculine um, because it, it is associated to me at least with the police um, it's violence yeah. um, that is constant and um, I think the, the the same very very similar at least qualities of um, this domination that Bell Hooks talks about of that patriarchy requires that the system be based on a dominator and a subjugator. Um, we, we have set up our whole society so deeply like that. Um, and in the ways that we have uh, white supremacy, um, it, it just, it, uh, I, I, I uh, I was listening just today to um, Trevor Noah talking mm. about the dominoes that have gone down within the past week, <laughs> um, and this so it's Monday and um, the weekend was just so filled with protest and riot of violence in the streets in so many cities. I don't live in a city, so it's. Um, it's not actually in my backyard, but it's in the backyard of so many people that I care about um, this pushback against state 
state-sponsored violence um, that uh, is violent in and of itself um, because it's born of so much trauma and anger and um, and I can't help but like feel it in my own body um, yeah. as well and and I I am not black I I I can't even fathom the the ache um, that people are feeling um, given how much is aching in my heart and in my bones um, just feeling the weight of what a mess we're in we just want to utter mess we're in and um so i i finished um reading the book that we read together before um all of this totally erupted um uh it all feels so deeply connected um in ways that i don't think i'm even capable of articulating but um i'm really glad we're going to talk today and yeah. try to um, wrestle our way through some of these issues. Absolutely, yeah. Um, thank you for both being willing to talk. Thank you for that moment well, 12, 13 years ago. Um, yeah, I deeply, deeply appreciate you bringing all of you to this conversation. Um, and I, So I was struck by something you said you know, okay, so I'm not black, and yet I feel this in my bones. And I, I think that's part of what Bell Hooks is articulating around this stuff, is that this cycle of what she calls patriarchal masculinity, um, mm -hmm. which is, she contrasts very clearly from masculinity, um, or from feminist masculinity, or healthy masculinity. Right. But this particular type of patriarchal masculinity now the book was written what 2004 2005 um at the time we weren't using the term toxic masculinity but i think today no. <laughs> you could slide that right yeah. in there um, yeah absolutely and i think there's something significant about the way she defines and kind of fleshes out the notion that because power over is the only type of power that patriarchal masculinity can can exercise or can legitimize mm -hmm. or recognize right um mm -hmm. that there is there's both this performative well not both it's there's this very performative quality of it must be performed in order to reinforce itself um mm -hmm. and we i think it's very clear that m some of the police forces or many of the police forces that are are responding are coming from that perspective um yeah What's also, I mean, I, I've been fascinated the last two days really examining in my head the difference between the, so, I mean, just for the record, we're, it's Monday, June 1st, so the the protests over George Floyd's murder have been going on for, what, six, seven days now, um, but we're also of in the- during a pandemic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're also in the midst of the, the COVID-19 pandemic, and- we just got done watching what were largely crowds of white men um, with semi-automatic rifles marching in places like the, the Michigan State um, Capitol building. 
and being completely unchallenged by police, or if they're being challenged, well, the police are exercising their nonviolent principles. And it, uh-huh. in reading the book, there was this moment when I began to connect this weird, like, there's a weird way in which because that group is made up of primarily other white males standing across from a largely white male police force, um, at least okay. in that, that particular town in in Michigan, um, uh, that there's not necessarily the same threat to their masculinity, to their patriarchal masculinity that needs the power over thing on the part of the police force. Um, And yet when you march women or uh, a a group saying Black Lives Matter, uh, people of color marching, that there's a very different response from the police where every little thing seems to be a threat to the masculinity. Mm-hmm. That's right. I, I, I also, um, I I hadn't thought of this before, but um, Bell Hooks does such a good job of always placing the blame with the patriarchal system. Yeah. And she's constantly pointing out how we all do things to uphold that system. Yes. Because plenty of women in plenty of ways are contributing yep. to patriarchy, um, and of, of course, as do men. Um, but that we all create this together, and um, it—it because I, I, I had to hear that. I had to like think about it and listen to the ways that like I. It is so much more comfortable for me to just say well, it's men's problem. Mm-hmm. Men do bad things. Men um, are the people that are murdering other people. They are the people that are abusing other people. They are doing the bad things that cause the terrorism that we all live in under. Um, I, uh, But, like, I have a role in that, and I have a role in that every time I reinforce um any part of patriarchy, which we all do all the time, yes. even if we hate it. Um, it, it just reminded me that, um, uh, I have, because a lot of people that I, I love deeply and I honestly fully support, um, they have been talking about police as, um, one thing that is bad. And the truth is, is I believe them. I, I agree with them the police in this country are bad. They were created um, for racist purposes of violence. Yeah. And But I, 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 I do wrestle with the fact that um, plenty of police officers are black. Yep. Plenty of police officers are women. Yep. Plenty of police officers are individually good human people. Um, I wrestle with that. And uh, when I'm thinking of how Spell Hooks kept coming back and being like, you know, it's the system that is the problem. And we all have to work daily, like minute by minute, to take apart the, the things in us that are creating that system. Yeah. Really helped me to, to um, stop like the all or nothing kind of thinking that I, I was having about police right now, just in life. And I'm engaging with all that's going on because the system of policing in America is evil. Um, And I feel confident in saying that. And um, it doesn't matter who has signed on to do that work. The work is evil. 
and um, we all have to like, and we're all in different parts of like what, whether we're the dominator or the uh, subjugated class of people in any given situation, but that we're all responsible yes. um, for these larger systems. Um, and, and it's possible that we're all, what's crazy to me is we're all possibly equally responsible. That was, that's hard for me to hear. Um, it's it's hard for me to feel. Um, Cause I, 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 I really want to defend myself yeah. <laughs> as, um, as a white woman, I feel like so often patriarchy is a system in which I am a victim. Yeah. And I don't, I, I have a lot of prickly feelings about feeling like um, it's my job to do anything to dismantle that system in which I am generally the victim. Um, but Ugh, Bell Hooks does a really good job of making me have to rethink and refeel everything. Is that notion of by from Paulo Freire of you know the seed of the oppressor that lives in all of us, um, yeah, and the significance of that that when we are a part of a system as as we are that is empire that is capitalist that is patriarchal. And that is white supremacist, all of these things. And, and those are the, also like, those are things bell hooks just pounds on that. This, this is a thing. This is our system. When we're a part of this, we all end up with this, this bit, um, the seed of the oppressor. Um, and I, I think it's significant and it's important. I, that little bit, by the way, I think is part of the entrance for kind of what I construct as the great white male. I mean, I, and I talk about it as a lie because having lived as what people see as a white man, um, my entire life, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and becoming more and more aware through a number of things of both my own privilege, but then also the parts that I left behind in order to conform to that privilege to, to not lose my man card, yeah. so to speak. Right. Um, yeah. Like I, I'm more conscious of that because I've also had, I've always had parts of, of me that didn't fit in that. You know, I, I was a musician. Um, I was a theater geek. Mm -hmm. I'm a nerd. Mm -hmm. um, like I, I'm, I have a lot of feminine, what people would call feminine qualities. Um, I, I'm the caregiver for my children. Um, I, I've been a homemaker for 13, 14, 15 years now. Um, mm -hmm. And I never talk about it. Uh, so it, I guess for me, when, when I hear marginalized groups talk about the seed of the oppressor, I know that I can enter authentically because at that point we have to all each be owning the bit of us that benefits from this system regardless. Yep. Um, yep. Even as we also address that the system must end. Yep. It, it, the question that gives me pause around police, like, so yeah. for those who don't know the sources of like where policing in this country has a very like weird, has multiple roots in all over largely though. And the way it was ensconced in law, um, it, it comes out of, uh, out of reinforcing slave trade or slave ownership. Um, 
what's interesting is the way it's sold, of course. I mean, I actually went through the process. I was looking at becoming a police officer here in Albuquerque a few years ago. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. part of me also kind of feels like, well, we need to have good people in this system. Um, and it mm-hmm. was... We it, sure do. Right? Because that's... And, and we mm-hmm. see that because we see pictures of, of cops who are kneeling down with protesters. Yeah. Um, Very powerful. Yeah. Oh, my God. Gut punch. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess the question that gives me pause in this whole thing is... So the way, like, because when people sign up to be a police officer, they often, often, like when, when you go around the room, so many of them are going to say, I want to help my community. I feel like I want to serve. I want to be of service. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's about service. It's about community. It's about trying to do good. It's about yeah. trying to do their part. It's about duty and mm-hmm. responsibility. Right. So how the mm-hmm. hell do we go from that to killing an unarmed black man in the streets? Like this is. This is what is so incredibly fucked up to me about this whole situation is you take this person who wants to serve their community, you run them through this system, and what comes yeah. out the other side is somebody who can shoot yeah. a 14-year-old black man and who's not armed and say, I felt like my life was in danger. What? Seriously, what does that system do to those people? to get them there. I mean, besides the fact that they live in a society that is racist, which is sure a good help, help along the way. But like, you're absolutely right though, that, that whatever that process is, it's, it's gotta be deeply flawed or we would not end up here. Yeah. Very, very much so. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to today's part of the conversation. The next part of this conversation will will release on Wednesday. If you want to support this work or just can't wait to hear the whole conversation, please go to patreon.com slash killing the great white male and join the movement to end our culture of privilege. Huge special thanks, of course, to Sonia Powell for having this conversation with me, my co-conspirator. And thanks also to Bell Hooks for writing such a heartfelt plea for more loving ways of being in the world for more loving ways of being men. And thank you, listeners, for spending time here with us today. Your work-ending privilege makes the world a better place. As Maya Angelou said, do the best you can until you know better. And when you know better, do better. Have a fantastic day, folks.